Potadelphia. This is episode two for the week of August 27th. I am Dave DiOrio. As always, you can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. I'm here with my two favorite long relievers. What's up, guys? Hey, Dave. Is everyone <clears throat> is everyone calm after t- today's game? No. We should we should it should be noted that we are recording this on Saturday night um after game 2 of the Blue Jays series. And I I'm, I'm going to unofficially call this right now the panic episode. Okay. Yeah, that's a good call. I don't I, I don't feel well. So <laughs> Okay, so get the let's get the uh the, the nonsense out of the way first. So um you can reach us uh via email. We are at um at Philadelphia Podcast. Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can visit us online at Potadelphia.com. And I'm Gene Zilak, and you can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders on Twitter. You can find the show at Potadelphia on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. I couldn't tell you how to type it in Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, see if it gets you to us. All right, we're clearly distraught today. We're, we're out of our out of our rhythm. We have three we have three potential panic buttons to hit for three separate Philadelphia teams, and we have to start with the most critical right now in the Phillies, um, because uh, we had a bad week. We've had a bad month. <laughs> I I also was ready to go. We had a bad week, but if you look back at all of August. We've been bad outside playing the Red Sox, which we split. So, like that—that's your—that's your bright side. Is the—is the series that we split, the two series that we split with the Red Sox? Yeah, fair enough. So I l- kind of look at them as one big four-game set that we split. Right. That's the positive. Well, that's the only. I mean, just because they're like, what? I think do they have ninety wins already? Yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it, but like, what's the? All right, anyway, let's start at the beginning of the week because um, we had a game against the the Nationals, um, a series against the Nationals, right after their huge fire sale, um, where they clearly said they're throwing in the towel for the season, um, and we could really step on their throats and just basically eliminate them from this race altogether, um, but instead, we do what we do. And um, we lost the first game 10-4. The second game, we lost 8-7 to a Ryan Zimmerman walk-off home run (sighs) in the bottom of the ninth. Thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, going into the series, much like you, I thought this is our chance to really bury this team and really put, put them far back and use this as an opportunity to kind of springboard us into the rest of the month. And I feel like what we did instead was give the Nationals hope that they might be able to get back into the race. So that was an unfortunate side effect of coming in and playing badly. And just bad all around. I think um, I mentioned last week of, you know, throughout the season, waiting for the moment where the, you know, the wheels come off the cart or whatever the phrase is, you know, for for us to, you know, go back to the team we all thought they were at the start of the season. And man, did we do that? You know, with the the bad series loss to the Mets, 
right into the Nationals, right as the Nationals are, you know, getting rid of players. And we go and we drop the the first two games, both of which we've had leads in. And the, you know, we we produce some runs. That that's a silver lining, which we hadn't been doing. But uh, bad uh, bad bullpen, bad errors in the field, base running mistakes. I mean, it's the the trifecta of you know Philly's futility. Let me let me preface sort of my take on this with uh, a little color commentary that I the Washington Nationals are my most hated sports team. I I cannot stand the Washington Nationals. You hate most of any team. Now remember, you and I I, I know were at the very first Washington Nationals game in Philadelphia. Were we? Yeah. Yeah, you and I were at the very first Washington Nationals game in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. I should have saved that ticket. I can't stand them. I just feel like the fan base, I, I don't know. You either didn't like baseball before they came, and now you like baseball and you're a Nationals fan, or you were an Orioles fan and you just kind of abandoned your team. I don't like that they made the postseason and then they um, they tried to preserve Steven Strasburg, Strasburg under the assumption that they'll be there many, many times in the future. I feel like they're now a cursed organization. The curse of Steven Strasburg, I believe, <laughs> is a real thing. Um, Doesn't so he still currently game, play for them? And I, and I, <laughs> and I believe that um, both Steven Strasburg and Ryan Zimmerman are the two faces that embody the Washington Nationals. So for that to be a Steven Strasburg game that – we had him dead to rights early on to have Ryan Zimmerman bail him out. Really? Like I, I couldn't handle it when that happened. It made me. So wh- I, wh- I want to ask you guys, what is your rage move when stuff like that happens? What's your go-to physical visceral reaction? To this I'm, a big, type of event? I'm a big fan of hat throwing. Okay. You know, the, the literal, you know, the thing that you see on TV of someone so disgusted they take off their hat and throw it to the ground. Uh, I am a big fan of that. That's... And this is not for effect. You, you're probably by yourself at this oh, point. Yeah. No, no. Th- this is just for myself. It's it's probably because I'm, like, gripping the hat as the game goes on. Right. You know, man gets on base in the ninth. It's just like, all right, just hold him to one run. Just don't give up a home run here. They do it immediately. Hat goes down, which I did. Yeah, for effect there, everybody. If that's why you heard me get a little quiet. Or for emphasis. But hat goes down, storm out of the room is also usually what happens as well. I just walk out of the room. I am a I am a violent channel switcher. Like there will be like a I am I am done. HGTV is going back on. Or Food Network. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And okay, I get and, and then I like storm into another room, basically saying like I am returning this television to a state of. Like calm. You've, you've absolved yourself. I have washed like, my hands of this you. scenario. I have. I've given up. I have thrown in the towel. And then I. They're much like Chuck. And then it usually involves me storming out of a room, and now, then okay, violently now I texting. You, sometimes I do. I definitely do that. I definitely do that when the game is. I know it's over, and I don't want to see any post game crap. Do you ever do that in the middle of the game and go? I'm not done with this game. I'm done with it. And then, like thirty seconds later, you switch back to it. 
I don't know if it's 30 seconds, but there have definitely, and this season more maybe than any season before, where I have been, it's been like the fourth or fifth inning, and I've been like, oh, I'm just done. And then half an hour goes by, and I'll check. Like, like you know, like, like sure. I, I have some need to go and find out, and I'll, I'll check back in. And so, yeah, that's happened probably more than any other thing this season. It, I don't, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud that I can't just let go, but... Yeah, it does happen. You guys are pretty tame. Mine is the the coffee table flip. <laughs> I'll either just flip the coffee table uh, or I will kick it if I'm like reclined back on the sofa and I'll just kick it over. Um, that's with when I we used to have the standard coffee tables. Now we have these trunks that I can't just easily get my you have to really hulk it flip. to get it you have to the rage has to really be building up to really take one of those cubes. that really feels great when you flip a coffee table i highly <laughs> it sounds amazing i highly recommend i it. think i may just do it just to do it at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> the walk away from the tv is something that i that i'll do mid-game i won't turn it off but that's that's the one where i physically cannot help myself where I'm just frustrated, hands go up in the air, you know, walk away in disgust, turn back at the TV to double check that, you know, the play's not being called back or something, walk out of the room, pace, get a beer, you know, sort of thing. But but you're the angriest among us, Dave, so it it's only fitting that your reaction be more violent. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I, I, just, I just want to backtrack as to like you're you really like are all in on the Washington Nationals being the most hated of your rivals. Look, and I know I'll probably get killed for it because I'm I'm passing up on Nets and uh, Cowboys and Giants and Penguins uh, and Celtics. Um, but my 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 argument is if I lived in Boston, I would be a Celtics fan. If I lived in New York, I'd probably be a Mets fan. If, if you lived, lived in, in Dallas, Montreal, you'd Dallas be fan. a Washington Nationals if fan. If I lived in Washington, <laughs> I would be an Orioles fan from when I was a child and I devoted my allegiance to the Baltimore Orioles. I can't just switch just because a new team came to town. I could have like passing interest and be like, oh, I hope they do well. They're in the National League. But I can't be a devoted Nationals fan. Or I'd have to be 10 years old. <laughs> You're a national I, fan? Any, any national fan that's 10 years old, I, it gets a pass for me. You're <laughs> allowed to be a nationals fan. If you're a 40-year-old dude walking around, you either didn't watch baseball or you were an Orioles fan or maybe a Braves fan or something. I, it, I don't know. Is there any logic to like maybe that there was a player that came along that really drew? Like, may, I think that there's people that before Bryce Harper came to the Nationals, I think that he is what cemented like the national fan like so once they got that player that they could really hitch their wagon to like finally a guy to be like this is the guy that's going to put us on the map so Doesn't being that that, that be i'm not saying it's better or worse i'm just saying like i think that's where like the nat like the true nationals fan is born well, um, see, i'm saying it makes it worse okay maybe it is worse but I, I don't i don't agree with dave's vehemence or <laughs> or even maybe the central premise but if your argument's like no, no, no. I didn't I didn't become a Nationals fan when they moved to the city. I became a Nationals fan when they got good. Like that that's not better. But what happens if Bryce Harper 
joins another team like I don't know the Phillies. Do you will you accept him? Will you embrace him when he comes and plays right field for us? Um, I will embrace him with the same enthusiasm that I embraced. Um, I don't really any other free agent acquisition that comes to the city. They don't get they don't get the total beloved status that someone who comes through the farm system uh, gets. But I was certainly. Um, Certainly hope he does well. So Roy Halladay is always going to finish light, slightly below Cole Hamels in your eyes? Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, it's the length of service, too, there, you know. I don't know. It's just interesting to me to think about, like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't like Bryce Harper, like, at all. Like, so it's there is such a part of me that is torn about the idea of having cri- to. Oh, well, you'll have a crisis. Like, I don't I like I cannot like I've sp- I enjoy hating him. Like, I really do. It's the same thing. Like, I would enjoy... I enjoy hating Sidney Crosby. Like, yeah, I know he's the best player in the NHL. But... And Chuck will probably probably debate me on that one. But (laughs) for argument's sake, he's a top five player in the NHL. But I enjoy hating him. Like, I enjoy, like, hating his guts. So I wouldn't (laughs) want him to be on the Flyers because then I can't hate him anymore. It's the same reason, like, I never wanted Troy Aikman to play for the Eagles because I enjoyed hating Troy Aikman. I never wanted him to play for us because that would mean I can't hate him anymore. I enjoy I th- hating certain players. I think your your uh, your feeling there is probably shared by a lot of people. I, I can understand it and I in a vacuum I'd say I agree, but man did I change my tune on Yager quick. <laughs> I mean there's something to be said for that person saying I I actively choose to no longer be a Washington National, and I want to be a Philadelphia Philly yeah. for all that money. Oh yeah, uh, I, I mean, sign me up, man. I'm Harper. All Day. that all that sweet sweet cigar money. <laughs> <laughs> so where were we? I thought we were mad. <laughs> yes. All right, but yeah. So this walk off. Do we agree that it was the most painful moment of the Philly season so far? I'll say so far because I believe we have more painful moments to come. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you. That's the point where – that's the point that, like, cemented it for me. That's where I went, oh, bad week against uh, – uh, you know, bad two weeks against the Padres, against the Mets, whatever. You know, we'll turn it around against the Nationals, you know, some better competition – really get back into it and then that walk off and it's like okay that's it you know that's the season you know they are who we thought they were and they're gonna come back to earth and and that's the end of this fun little run it made me think back to all those times that like we we've heard about that phillies team i guess in the it was the 50s i guess that had the had the league and had the had the division or the I guess the National League locked up probably at the time the 60, and the sixty four yeah the that's right it was the sixty four team Phillips. yeah that that totally collapsed. Um, I'll tell you, my father that has scarred him for life. <laughs> yeah, I'm and serious. I I, I think that there is something to be said anymore. to that because like our dads are probably the same generation, and I I will tell you like my dad is absolutely and Eagles first, and probably Eagles second, and then, like, the Phillies a distance third, you know, and I, th- I think that there's something to be said, you know, to that, that once you've experienced a team let you down in that way, that it's hard to really ever kind of fall in love 
the way that you probably did with that team. He, my dad doesn't even really talk about that team. Um, but, you know, and not to equate that what we're seeing this week is anything like that sort of collapse, but this was the first time where I really saw in their face that that sense of, and I saw it again today, actually, that feeling of, of quit. You know what I mean? That, that feeling of, like, on their faces, on the players' faces, that feeling of, we're just done. Like, we just, we're just tired. We're just exhausted. Like, I feel like the edge is gone. Like, the knife is not sharp. And, and I say that for the majority of the team. There's one player left on the team that I feel like absolutely has the eye of the tiger. Absolutely still has it. Are we going Reese. to the National Series? What's that? You're talking about Reese, right? <laughs> no. I'm talking about Nola. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't see him today. I, I didn't. I thought you meant. I thought you were talking about today's game. No, I was talking. Well, specifically, like on the whole, like because I figured we were gonna we're gonna lead into the final game of the national yeah, series. All right. So so let's jump to that. He was setting up a segue, Dave. That, I get that, it. Yeah, that, that, that I radio get it. Old radio trick. Yeah. <laughs> but for what it's worth, though, I think I Reese had a nice game today. Anyway. Uh, so the game three was Nola versus Scherzer in a Cy uh, Young battle. Um, and I have to eat some crow here because I don't know if I said it last week or maybe it was a just conversation between us when I said I don't really trust Aaron Nola yet. I think I have to um, walk that back a little bit now because whew, two nothing shutout. To, yeah. really, to really be that stopper and stop the bleeding. For one day. Yeah. I, I think you, you said that back in the, the Boston series, the, the first Boston series up in Fenway. I, I remember talking to you around then with okay. that thing. You know, I think Gene and I were pre- impressed. You know, Nolan went up there, had some composure, and, you know, thought we saw something, and you you didn't see anything yet. Um, but that, that game uh, against the Nats, that was – you know, really, he's having an amazing season. You know, and it really, I don't think I realized just how good his season was until that game. And I think the most important part of this game, maybe the takeaway, if you want to talk in uh, in moments of the season, if you go back to game one, um, was it the sixth inning of game one that um, Nola gets pulled uh, in a game that he's clearly, you know, seeming to be in control of? And then for the next, I don't know, it's August. We still talk about it. You know, <laughs> Kapler yanked him, you know, should he have made that decision. Um, and I think that what, looking at him, the eighth inning with two men on, I believe, um, because I believe the the, the the lead run, the the run that takes the lead, is that bat. And that was um, Harper, right? Right. Harper's coming to bat. And uh, they came out and... From the way I and I mean, obviously, you're looking at body language when you're watching a, a a group of guys around the mound in that kind of situation. And I believe they sent the pitching coach out, not Kapler. And it was a real quick meeting. And Nola just kind of gave like a I got this kind of like I I've got this completely under control. And, um, you know, they kind of agreed and, and went at it. And then, you know, he's still throwing 95 in that situation. And. He's he's locked in and gets done what needs to happen. And I feel like if you're looking at those two moments in a vacuum, 
that is kind of showing, at the very least, the growth of Aaron Nola. This is what we're seeing in front of us is the birth of an ace, like a true ace. This is a guy that I believe now has his own control over his fate in a game. And that if he says he's good to go, they trust him. And whether he ends up giving that ball, uh, a home run ball there or not, like it's on, he's willing to take that on. He's willing to be like, I'm the man now. I've got it. And the nice thing is we got to see him back it up with his stuff this time. And I feel like that's the mark of a true ace is a guy that's like, I got this. And then goes out there and deals. Wow. Perfect. Well done, G. <laughs> so I'm, my uh, Nola jersey's in the mail. So can we <laughs> can we look at uh, – I actually want to take a second and look at how um, Nola, Scherzer, and DeGrom stack up right now in the Cy Young race because it's clearly going to be one of these three guys. And I don't know if you – I mean, you guys have a prediction here not to you know step on any toes yet, but do we have a National League Cy Young prediction – my my prediction, I'm not saying he necessarily deserves it. I'm saying my prediction would be DeGrom. You know, he's got the best ERA of the three, and he just seems to have this aura about him of just being unhittable this year. So if I had to put money on it, I'd say DeGrom. Gene? The eye test will, like, I've seen DeGrom pitch, I don't know, probably a half dozen times. Uh, you know, there have been games that I've tuned in and the Mets have played other people just just to watch DeGrom pitch. And Chuck's right. Like, the guy just seems to absolutely have some sort of, like, unhittable stuff. But when I dug into the numbers more and you see how closely linked up these three guys are, it's going to come down to, and I'm hoping that this is what ends up tipping the scales, is if the Phillies end up becoming a playoff team, I think you have to take that into consideration that... Nola is probably the best player on a team that's going to the playoffs. And I feel like that should carry some weight and break what I think is going to be kind of a deadlock. Um, I hear you. But I think it's totally possible that none of these teams make the playoffs. I think that that's possible, too. And the Mets definitely aren't. Right. So, And I also think that there's a new wave of um, sentiment going around that's saying we don't look at wins anymore. And I wasn't even really looking at wins. Yeah, and what I was going to say, uh, too, Gene, of, I don't know, in like the postseason awards for baseball, I, I don't feel like they factor in the team as much as other sports. You'll, you'll see, like, you know, uh, a league MVP on a bad team. You know, I think so few teams in baseball make the playoffs, it's not the definitive factor uh, or, or, a significant factor in uh, this sort of voting. So I don't think I was playing Stanton last year on the Marlins. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, uh, Joey Votto. uh, Mike Trout's, I think, won one from a pretty bad Angels team, too. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers right now. So ERA, you're right. DeGrom is – he's got a 1-7. This is as of, I guess, yesterday, Saturday morning. And he's carried Uh, a low ERA the whole season. 7-1 for the year so far is bananas. But, I mean, Nolan Scherzer right there at 2-13. The other interesting thing about um, DeGrom is if you look at the other pitchers on the Mets staff, 
Um, so, you know, kind of comparatively, like as far as the same defense behind him kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. his his ERA is way, way better than anybody else on his staff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, Scherzer uh, gets the nod for whip. He's at point eight eight and the other two are at point nine seven. Uh, and it's funny how each of these guys has their own metric that they're leading in. Um, and war. Scherzer and Nola are ahead of DeGrom. They're both at like 8-8, eight, eight, and DeGrom's at 7-7. Seven, seven. What do you think that – what do you think war equates to with a I'm not really sure because there. it looks to me like DeGrom's got the best line. So um, I'm not sure why he would be Because it's wins above replacement, war. and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because does that factor in actual wins because DeGrom's have to have lost a lot of games one nothing. I don't know what – the what the stat is, but I know that he gives up almost no runs in his, in his starts, but no, the Mets don't score up, very many. It shouldn't. It, I mean, I'm pretty sure it doesn't factor in actual wins. Um, and then FIP, my, my new FIP at a two Oh seven FIP. What is FIP is again? Like legendary. So FIP is a metric that takes a, it factors, the true outcomes of a pitcher. So uh, a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. It takes everything else. Another player can have an impact on that event. Uh, And then it uses a, um, then it uses some sort of uh, number like uh, 2.3 to represent everything else as just some sort of like standardized era so do you want a a high number or a low number in that stat oh you want a low you want a low number like i think the closer uh, to one the better for his career is like 2.5 okay so a pitcher that gives up a lot of ground outs like is gonna have a that wouldn't that wouldn't play into fip so fip would be a pitcher that walks a lot of players would have a poor fip or gives a lot of home runs gotcha um and then conversely, a lot of strikeouts um, would lower their fit. So Nolan Ryan probably has a pretty great fit. Yeah, probably. We should look that up. Anyway, so uh, my money's on DeGrom for the uh, for this side. So none of us like thinking. Scherzer? I mean, I just I can't root for a national. Jesus. <laughs> I, I think that's the real lesson tonight. Finger. <laughs> I, I think Scherzer's a great pitcher. Um, I feel like, I, and I don't have the stats in front of me, I feel like his win total is probably pretty high because he just seems to, to win a lot. Well, he's uh-huh. been the, I feel like if we watching all season, he's been the, like, anointed favorite. I feel like, you know, everybody's been saying, like, in terms of their approach towards Scherzer, that he was kind of anointed at the beginning of the season. And looking at the numbers, I don't I don't know why that was i feel like these two are at least equally in the conversation and maybe it, it was a kind of a, a the national media growing to accept degrom and and nola but the other thing helping nola i think might be that he is sort of turning into something like a chic um pick just something that like oh we didn't see him in this conversation before the year started and now it's something different. But head to head, I you know the eye test in that game that they just went head to head. I feel like I was much, you know, it was much more clear to me that Nola had that game in hand. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Not especially that... since Scherzer had had the uh, the fortune to face the Phillies lineup. 
Right. No, and I mean, there's the Phillies lineup by, by average is, you know, is a much weaker lineup than the Nationals were putting against NOLA. You guys want to move on to the Blue Jays series now? Unfortunately. Do we have to? Do we move yes. on to a different sport? We have to go north of the border All right. to the Rogers Center. Oh, when we were there, right. was it the Rogers Center or was it the Sky Domes? It was Sky Dome when we were there. Nice. I still call it Sky Dome. Every time I hear Rogers Center, I think of like half the hockey rinks up there. But yeah, my heart will always be Sky Dome. So here's something interesting. Um, the Phillies, I always feel like we... Um, sorry, I lost my link here. I always feel like we play horrible against the Blue Jays. Do 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 you ever feel like that? Like is that just like an emotional feeling? Like you don't you don't have like a ninety three hangover? Well, I looked it up, and um, we have a four hundred win percentage when we play the Blue Jays, and that's against them, home or away, right? Like that's not that's in our. Um, franchise history so that I mean it would include things like the 93 World Series um, but yeah I, I always feel like we struggle mightily against against some of these teams like the Blue Jays well if we have a 400 uh, 400 win percentage against them I'd say that the numbers back up your feeling your your gut yeah so I actually looked at our win percentage against every team mm-hmm. and there's only four teams that we have a worse win percentage against than the Blue Jays. And well, I think there I is a... one team that we only have one franchise win against. So There's a I team would... that we only have one franchise win against? Yes. So I wanted to present this to you guys and see if e- either of you would be able to guess which is that team that we only have one franchise win against. <sighs> if I have to like think it through, I mean, it's got to be a newer team. And I would have to say... It'd be American League, but any American League expansion team, I think of, I feel like we have a good history against only one franchise win. All right, I have a guess. It sort of betrays one of my factors, but I have a guess. Okay, lay it on me. No, I'm going to take it back. Uh, uh, Colorado Rockies, and I know that's not right. No. <laughs> no <I> <laughs> That's well, most why. definitely not correct. I know. <laughs> I okay, mean, here, like the what, here's the here's the question, Dave. Is this team still in existence? Like, yes. This, okay. Then here's my guess. My guess is the Seattle Mariners. So you're very close, though. Geographically, uh, league-wise. Okay, so it's an American League team. Because I feel like we never play the Mariners. That's why I said. That. Exactly. 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 Is it the California Angels? It, it is. It is. Wow. It's the Anaheim, California, Los Angeles Angels. I think we're like 1-18 against them. Wow, that's terrible. Or it might even be fewer games than that. It's the Mike Trout factor. Yeah. But I don't know. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> so I knew we were in for a bad one when I saw we were playing the Blue Jays. <laughs> And, and I feel um, like any of those American League East teams, like, they're all built to mash, and that's not who we play well against. Like, all those teams are built to just crush the ball, um, and we don't play well against teams that are just built for power. 
Well, who do we play well against at this point? Um, I mean, the Marlins. We play. I feel like we play well against the Marlins. We, we're gonna have to. Go on, well, Dave. Fortunately, the Braves aren't playing well against the Marlins for us. But um, so, all right. Arietta starts Game One against the Blue Jays. Um, so, here's my question about this game: Is Arietta the second best pitcher on the Phillies? I mean, I, I don't know statistic <laughs> wise or not, but he certainly doesn't feel it. Like he's number two in the rotation, but I don't trust him. And like, if he's not, who do you think the second best starting pitcher on the Phillies is? Pavetta? Like I I mean Eflin, I, I I would say Pavetta. Um Arietta is fine, but just when he screws up, it seems to be a lot. Like you know, like three scoreless innings, awesome. Mm-hmm. Home run. Okay. Another home run. Loads up the base with two people and walks a man to third. It just seems like it, like he doesn't like give up one run and is done. He doesn't put men on base and you know leaves the inning stranding them on base. Yeah, and that's just a gut feeling. Like somebody can look this up and tell me those numbers are all wrong. But I feel like with Arietta it's just a matter of time in a game where it's like, oh yeah, there's that four run inning sort of hmm. thing. Yeah. Gene, what do you think? I think that the second best player uh, pitcher on the Phillies is uh, Vinny. Vinny Velasquez. Oh. And I'll tell you why. Here's my reasoning. I feel like uh, what we're seeing with Arietta is, if you're thinking about like a like a line graph, that that peak is it's it's going down, it's trending mm-hmm. down. And I feel like going into the season, we all were talking about like putting Velasquez in the in the bullpen. Like there's a guy who had good stuff for like an inning or two and but would you know couldn't get out good couldn't go deep into a game couldn't get out of you know if he could get in the fourth or fifth inning then like that was a good start for him what i think we've seen with him and i feel like he's his line graph is going the other direction i think we're seeing a guy who is actually figuring out how to become a really good starting pitcher i feel like we've seen him progress and go deeper into games um i think he might be the best defensive pitcher like i think he fields the position the best of anybody on the team um and we've seen him make some amazing plays that have helped him out in that way um i feel like he has always nobody's ever questioned that he's got good stuff i think he's finally figured out some of the mental parts of the game so i think if you are looking at the rotation going forward next season the season after that he's going to be more important to the rotation than Arietta will be. I think it's going to prove out. And he's managed to stay relatively healthy this season, which is something he's... Yeah, other than his little blip with taking the ball off the forearm, he's managed yeah, to yeah, yeah. he's managed to stay very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so weird because when I look at all these guys and I look at their numbers, it it really is difficult for me to ascertain who is the second best pitcher. Do they all kind of look similar? Is that what the problem is? Is that well, like they all look well? They all excel in kind of different areas. I will say though that when I watch Nick Pavetta, I feel like his ball has good movement on it, um, and he does rack up the strikeouts. Mm. Um, and I'm just looking at the numbers. 
now he does have the like all right so nola has the best um stats of everybody like in every category so you're basically looking like who's second um pavetta does have the second best fip on the team oh that's good um and he i think he also has the uh yeah oh yeah well he does have the best uh strikeout per nine on the nice. team but he, but he also gives up the most hits. So it's See, it's like you can't you can't find. I feel like with Pavetta, the, the thing that I'll notice is I think sometimes I don't know if it's a it's something with his decision making. Sometimes I feel like he doesn't throw the right pitch in the right situation, and I don't know if you can put that on him or if it's the catcher. I, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it's like I'll be sitting there and be like this would be the perfect time for something away or something, you know, or, you know, a chase pitch or whatever. I feel like he, he doesn't, it's the opposite with Nola. I feel like Nola always knows when to throw that, you know, that thing that's slightly off the plate or something to try to get somebody to, you know, the actual, the mental part of pitching. I feel like Pavetta, just some of his decisions are not quite there yet in that, Mm. in that, you know, and that and that's just I don't know if there's anything to that. Like I said, they, is that the catcher? I don't know. I don't know wh- who who makes those decisions, who's calling those pitches. But that's that's where I feel like Pavetta, where I'll see him make mistakes, and you know he'll leave balls up, and it's like, why are you even putting the ball anywhere near there? Why isn't that so? Arietta so Arietta loses game one. Um, Pavetta, uh, we blow another ninth inning lead um, today, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Sir Anthony's not not been looking great of late. He he had a a few no. a few bad outings on a a couple weeks back, and I was like, oh, maybe he's just tired. Maybe you know, maybe being the positional closer of oh, we're just going to put him in at the most important time of the game, you know, doesn't jive with his psyche. But lately, it's been you know. Two great looking outs, you know, you know, man up, man down, man up, man down, and then loads of bases, you know. So I, I don't know if we have an issue there, if it is just inexperience or you know, tired arm or what, but he's not been looking great lately. Is this where you wonder at the trade line why trade deadline why they didn't go and get another like seasoned arm? You know, they brought in some guys you've never really heard of. There, there was talk about bringing, uh, you know, that we were getting um, Zach Britton. Yeah, you know, is that is that where you you fault management for being like, you know, Sir Anthony's a young guy. This is where teams that win have to, you know, be able to understand their own weaknesses and be like, you know, this is this is when we you need to go get a vet and be able to I spell. Think they tried. I think they tried, but in the back of the in the back of their minds, this was not the year. To like let it rip, yeah. In the back of your mind, is this the year? At any point, did you get like lulled into a sense of, um, no, we are gonna, we are gonna do this. This is gonna happen. Let's let's push the chips in. Like, was there any lulled? Is oh, probably not the right no, word. No, no, no. Oh no, I I believed it was gonna happen. Like we were gonna make the playoffs. I I don't believe that anymore. But I did I did believe that for a while there, but never to the point where I said we have we. We need to s- sell out to win a championship at this point because 
this this is not like a shrinking window here, and I, I think we'll be fine. Um, but I did like the moves that we made to try to try know, to extend what was going on this season. This season to kind of make sure we win the division um, didn't quite work out that way. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm talking like it's already over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how I get. That's how I get. That's how I get. All right, so where do we find ourselves now? Um, we are three and a half back of the Braves. Uh, three and a half back of the Braves on Saturday. So that just a last time we'll point it out here that we're recording a day early. Um, right. And we are what two and a half out of the wild card. We're yes, only two and a half. Three back of the Braves. Only three back of the Braves because they okay. lost tonight. Oh, because they lost. That was the other half yeah. game. Okay, and uh, we are two and a half back in the wild card of this of the of the wild card period or of the first wild card yeah well st louis and milwaukee are tied okay wild card right okay now. so we're about the same distance back from both got it um so what's the confidence level now i think the first time we had this conversation we were somewhere in the 70 to 80 percent we were going to make the postseason where are you feeling about it now 30 30 <laughs> percent okay pretty fair playoffs uh, I think I'm a coin flip. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm fifty fifty. I think that there is okay. because of the way September. And I was looking at the schedule because of the way that September lines up. Um, that there's going to be some things that too much can still be decided in September to be like completely out on it. So, but I'd say that I'm I'm a coin flip. I was hoping that by now, if things had gone through, I was really hoping that that Met series was a place where we were going to get fat, and we just didn't. Um, you know, because I knew that we might struggle in this series. Um, I was hoping that we would get two or three off of the uh, the Nationals. In fact, oddly enough, we won the game. I thought we were definitely going to lose. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd say I'm fifty fifty. Yep, and Atlanta going five and five in the last ten certainly certainly helps the cause. Keep 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 hope alive. We'll say so. Uh, officially pushing the panic button on the Phillies. Yeah. Panic about it's making playoffs, not panic about the so the you're panicked about the season. Oh like, yeah, when you talk about are we going to make the playoffs, we can press the panic button now. Oh, it's already been pressed. Yeah. Otherwise, the um, I don't know what you want to call it, the 2020 uh, projection for them to be contenders is still on track, right? Because yeah. we're going to sign Machado, we're going to sign Harper, <laughs> <laughs> we sign everybody. And apparently blow it next year. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would say that um, panic is a strange word because panic would be how I feel about some of the other teams in the in the city because it's like, oh, this is not what I expected. Uh, this is not what what I signed up for. With the Phillies, I'm certainly disappointed. I can hit the disappointed button. Like I had kind of bought into the um, the we're going to be. Yeah, you changed your expectations. Yeah, 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 my expectations had adjusted. But I feel like when you step back for a second and realize, you know, these are still going to be relevant games. I'm still going to like, I'm still going to be be tuning in every every night. Um, you know, we're not out of it. But uh, in terms of being like confident, like that, I feel like is not not there anymore. Um, but I'm not panicked. I feel like like we were saying earlier, this is not a window that's shutting. This is not a graph that's that's trending down. This is there's a lot to be excited about with this team and this is a young team that's that's showing you you know it's a long season and this is why 
they that that's there's a reason why that's a cliche that this is a long season. Right. And I just want to jump on uh, something Gene said there about changing the expectations. I think that's where some of my anger went. You know, I think with that, uh, you know, walk off to Zimmerman. You know, I was pissed. I was so mad at this team, and then over the course of the next few days, my expectations have changed. It went back to my beginning of the season expectations and went, all right, we're playing significant baseball in August. And Oh, I you get got to me do- to the Eagles. Is, that, is <laughs> it the you got me to the Eagles mentality? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I had an entertaining summer. It may summer. even get you to preseason hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are going back to school. Yeah. New, new TV series are starting. Thanks, Phils. <laughs> I'll catch you in April. <laughs> but no, no, it's now I can go. All right, can we contend for the playoff spot? Can we push? Can I? Can I have something to watch every night? Be scoreboard watching. Of oh, uh, can we get the first, second wild card? Can we do the division? So, it's it was a bit of a reset over these first two games to uh, to the Blue Jays. So that's where some of my anger went. But we have more to do um, because the Eagles lost to the Browns five to nothing on Thursday. <laughs> That's a score that can happen in football. <laughs> yeah. Not five touchdowns to nothing. Okay. Yeah. Not, not 15 to nothing, five to nothing. Yeah. Uh, so that's a weird score. Um, <laughs> so I just want to get to my notes here. So, um, is Nick Foles good at playing quarterback in football? <laughs> it's just a funny way to put that. Good enough. A, a not a franchise quarterback, probably not a starting quarterback, but I think he's a good quarterback. You know, we say it so many times when the team has been bad, the preseason means nothing. And I'm going to stick by that the preseason means nothing. Although I, yeah, I'm a lot more shaky saying it this week than I was last week. Nick Foles is a paradox. He's going to like fold in on himself like the universe or something. Like, who is Nick Foles? I'll tell you, Doug Peterson, I think, is asking the same question because Dougie P, if you watched any of that game on what was it, Thursday, um, yeah. when he was coming off the field at halftime, he was not happy. Um, and, you know, this is a guy that since we won the Super Bowl has been pretty much all smiles and like, nah, we're good. We got it. We're good. It's going to be fine. No. Homie was not – he was not chill at all coming off the field. He was mad at the offense. I feel like he's starting to to be frustrated with – I believe that he is seeing a bit of laxness. And I don't know if the thing that he's frustrated by is he knows that the players that he has on this team, on this roster, are good, talented players. And I don't know if it's a product of frustration that – so much of the talent that's on this team is not on the field in the preseason. The franchise quarterback, the Pro Bowl left tackle, uh, most of the wide receiving core. Um, you know, the only thing that is on the field to the to most of the running backs too. Um, the only thing that is on the field is the defense, and the defense seems to be playing well. Um, and I feel like the defense actually played their best game of the preseason in this yeah, game. Yeah, we held them to five. Yeah. But I think, and I feel like they were even they were even angry about giving up that three, um, uh, the first team defense. Um, so I wonder if Doug Peterson is just frustrated with the fact that didn't that three come off a turnover? 
It did. It did. Off and of Nick Foles' be uh, best throw of the was that was that, that after was the, the two? That was the safety. So it was so Nick Foles' best throw of the game was when he got tackled for a safety. Yeah. And he got up and threw it. And then on that ensuing drive where we had to kick it to back to the Browns, they scored the field goal, right? Right. And well, I think I think the, the on that drive though, the defense held them to negative one. Like the defense Over. gave up minus one yard, but still gave up points because of where they were on the field. I'm not 100 percent sure I got that sequence right. Is that is that what happened? I thought it was off of the. I thought I thought the three came off of an interception. I got to yeah. be honest. Like the whole game, just kind of like as soon as it was over, like a lot of the detail so of it just gone. Like you don't want to dwell on that. But what what stuck with me were a couple of different emotions. Like Doug Peterson coming off of you know, you don't see head coaches kind of like show emotion the way that he kind of was because I think he handed like I think Aaron Andrews asked him like hey you know Doug what did you think of Nick Foles or whatever or what do you think you know what do you think of the half and he's like he's like I'm mad you know I'm mad at the whole offense you know here's my notes and like taught you know handed her like a page of notes <laughs> right. of right. of like offensive problems you know what I mean like that to me like th Doug Peterson if for a lot of things like he is very even keeled it's one of the one of the marks of of Doug Peterson is that he's very even tempered good bad or whatever you don't see him really show a lot of that like that grr anger um you know but in this case in a in a preseason game you kind of saw him flash his teeth and to me that says that his expectations of the team were let down and if there's one thing that he's kind of come to expect with this squad is that they go out and they give 100% effort. And I feel like that's what makes him real mad is, look, if you go out and, uh, and things happen, like, so be it. But if you feel like he's going out there and you're making dumb decisions and not putting in effort, that's when Doug's like, I can't have that. Like, you cannot go out and just do bonehead things and not make an effort. You can't sleepwalk through the half. So are we, are we Rocky Three Rocky right now? That's a Good analogy. That man. is a great yeah, analogy. We have robot butlers uh, rolling around the place. Wasn't that four? I don't. The robot don't butler know. is four, but but <laughs> Rocky Three is everybody's partying, everybody's great, everything's everything's you know money, 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 and then the guy from Chicago shows up and like I'm going to bang your wife, and I feel like that's the rest of the NFL right now is especially the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm going to keep talking about how I believe that the Falcons so are going to come, come and punch us in the mouth in Week One. The, they're Clubber uh, Lang. They are Clubber Lang. SI's pick. SI's pick to win the Super Bowl over the over the Steelers. They are a really. I'm telling you, Atlanta Falcons are a good team, and they're going to come in mad. In, in this analogy, is Doug Peterson uh, Mickey? Is he Burgess Meredith? I think Doug Peterson is Pauly. Clearly, oh. Doug Peterson is Pauly. Oh <laughs> or Adrian is Doug Peterson. Too. Adrian. It maybe Doug Peterson is Adrian. No, maybe he's. Um... <laughs> He is cuff and link. Hear me out. I got 20 minutes. <laughs> <clears throat> um, okay. Do you guys uh, super trust Doug Peterson? I do. I, I actually, why, I, honestly, I, I do too. Um, do, do you think that he is now in love with this riverboat gambler style of play calling? Like, are we going to see a rec an unprecedented amount of fourth down attempts? I think that he believes I think that he believes that there is a certain amount of you have to play the game with with like reckless abandon. Like there's a certain amount of you have to be in it to win the game. That there is no room really in the NFL to just 
be conservative and play it safe. Like, I think that he always looks for the opportunity to, to when the choice is to go into the half with no points or, you know, or, or try to get three more, he's always going to do the thing to try and give yourself an edge. And that's what I like about him. Yeah. Okay. Do we think Carson Wentz is going to start week one now with that pre that pregame warm-ups uh, video that we saw before the Browns game? Do we just think he's just probably going to start? Like, we don't really have an option now. Like, Nick Foles isn't showing us what we need to see. Sudfeld didn't score any points in this game. Are we out of options? It's got to – Wentz has got to be ready. I, I don't think they're going to – play him if he's not ready if the doctors say yes are they gonna play him well yeah that's it yeah if if he gets the okay he'll he can be rusty as hell out there he's gonna get the uh, ball way better than what, what we've been seeing in this preseason it, it's still the preseason but yeah if if our franchise quarterback is healthy ready to go he gets the ball. they are still playing with a football right <laughs> in the preseason <laughs> that they're throwing to uh, players to catch that's still a thing that even though it's preseason it's still football right it is still football they are still playing the game but it's what intensity are they playing the game at how you know how how much does nick Foles need to be dialed in which is a phrase i never thought i'd say about nick Foles. you know the intensity of nick Foles. but how much does he need to be dialed in to make those passes you know We've seen him look very average to bad a lot, but in the in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, he looked phenomenal. He was phenomenal, he re- like record breakingly good, and maybe he maybe he needs to feel like I have to go out and win this game. Not I'm playing three drives and then my night's done. Yeah, but to Gene's point, we can't have him sleepwalking through game one like he did in the Viking or in the uh, the Raiders game or the Cowboys game to end the season. Do you think that there's a certain amount of, and uh, I don't know, I'm going to use an analogy here. You know, when I used to be assigned papers in college, I could not write that paper until like there were eight hours to the dead- deadline. <laughs> like I needed that squeeze of pressure to really get my performance out of me do you think that there's a certain amount of with nick Foles? if you really look at when he was best is like when you really crank up the intensity level of the competition he's able to focus do you think that part of the problem and if you even listen to what he said in the press conference he was talking about like i made mistakes i got a whole book on things to look back on do you think that there's a certain amount of he's dropping back and being like, normally I wouldn't throw this ball, but it's the preseason. It doesn't really matter. So let me just see if I can make this play happen. Like, do you think there's a certain amount of experiment that's going on? And we're forced to watch him kind of like trying some stuff out, you know, where Doug Peterson's frustration might also come from the fact that like, no, dude, just execute execute the play like don't go in there and try some stuff don't get cute execute the play because i believe that nick Foles knows how to play quarterback i believe the problem with sudfeld is he doesn't know how to play quarterback yet i think that he is purely physical like instinct with how he's playing football because he just doesn't have the the time in to know you know but i feel like nick Foles, he's played in the nfl long enough been in the biggest moments of 
an NFL career, that's a guy that knows what throws to make. And I feel like in the preseason, he's just like, I'm going to try some stuff, see what happens, see how it works. And it's not I working mean, out. I, I just think yeah, the, uh, there's other players on the team that are relying on him to get them the ball the way you know he would do it in the regular season. Like the, their jobs are on the line, their health is on the line. You know, you can't just um, be hanging people out to dry out there. I, I, I don't know. I heard all this stuff. It's preseason. Uh, Nick Foles is like, an, uh, oh, I work better under pressure. Um, all the players are out. Um, all, all of these things. But I still feel like you got to put together something better than 127 yards, two picks uh, against the Browns. Because you're not going to get anything in this fourth preseason game. The next time we're going to have anything meaningful that we can take anything from is Thursday night. Oh, against Atlanta. Nick Foles has to play against the Jets. Some, how much time? I mean, he's got to get a drive that makes you feel good about him being your quarterback in in this preseason somewhere. <laughs> well, I, I, he's going to get the ball for. What did the starters get the ball for? One drive in the fourth preseason game. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to get more than that. But even if it's against backups, I just want to see it. You just, know, you just want to see the time, and you just want to see it click. You just want to see the thing click, right? The other thing they always say about the preseason is that you're not game planning for a particular opponent, that you're just going to go out and you're just going to do run your offense. And, you know, sometimes there may have been a certain amount of if they had game planned for the Browns' weaknesses and exploited some of those things, maybe you would have seen some more, um, some more rhythm or whatever. I, I just felt like they just never really got into any this whole preseason they've never really had a drive with Nick Foles at the helm where I felt like there they are they're clicking their things are happening the way that they're supposed to yeah they haven't looked good I mean I'm the one that keeps going oh it doesn't matter you know um it doesn't matter um it's just the preseason. Maybe this is what's going on with Foles. He'll be fine. Wentz will be fine. But I can readily admit they don't look good. The so that is concerning. I mean, there is After, no way the the argument could be no, they look good. Yeah, like, yeah so no. the, you either you have to say the the preseason is meaningless. It's fine. They'll be fine for. I, I don't believe in anything that I'm seeing now. Or the argument is, is I actually believe in what I'm seeing now, and we're in trouble. So the question is. Who's pressing the panic button? Is anybody ready to press the panic button? No panic here, man. No panic here. We're staying off the panic button. I don't want to hit it. I really don't. But (laughs) I feel like if there's a box on top of the button, like the box is open and I can can see the button. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm worried that when like Matt Ryan shows up that that button's going to get warm, especially if it's not Carson Wentz that's under center. I'm also worried that if something happens to Jason Peters, Halapuli Vati Vali Vaitai is going to get somebody's broken. Body was that broken. that proper pronunciation? No. It was, oh. it was closer than I would have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do Polynesian names. No offense to the people. I just can't, like, pronounce them well. But, uh, it's definitely not the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Sorry, you, what was your question before I was floored by a mispronunciation? <laughs> I'm not sure I had a question. I was just making a 
a statement, but you're not pressing. No one's pressing the panic button yet. We're at least going to wait till the season starts, right? Right. I might be looking for the instructions on the panic button, but the lid is okay. down. It's not plugged in if it needs to be plugged in, but I'm, I might want to know, will I have to plug it in? That sort of thing. Like how, you know how, to the push the, how to push the panic yeah. button if panic is called for. Got it. Yeah, I just, just to get prepped. But honestly, I can't see myself truly panicking about the Eagles till week three. If they lose game one, I, I'm still not going to panic. If they look bad in game one, game two, I think the, the panic button would be pushed. What's the record that you have? To, like, if they're 0-4, or is it like, Houston, we have a problem. Doug, we oh, have a problem. The panic button's going to be pushed at 0-2 if they look bad. If I think it's look, a difference of if is Wentz, in, is, is Wentz playing in these games or not. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that by week three, two or three at the latest that we've got Carson Wentz back. If they're 0-4 and, and Wentz hasn't played a game yet and he's coming back for game five, I have I have room for hope that he could get us to 10 wins. Is Wentz uh, the only player you feel like we need to have, we need, at, like, capital N need to have back? Is there anybody else that we have? Like, how much have we seen of Jay Ajayi? We have not seen, like, what, Mike Wallace, I think, of the receiving core? Have we even seen Nelson Aguilar at all? Um, Mm-mm. You haven't seen any of those guys. You know, Jason Peters, we have seen zero of. Darren Sproles, we have seen zero of. All these guys that are going to be people that are going to have meaningful contributions to this this team. You know, is there anybody with a capital N need that we have to have back at 100% before you really start to worry? I think Jason Peters. The way the way Vitae has been playing in this preseason, I, we need Peters. And that's it's a, it's a scary thing to say that you need Peters because – the the chances that you're going to get him for all 16 are probably pretty low. Yeah, slim and none, I would believe. Which is not stuff people say about Jason Peters. Slim. <laughs> yeah, no. Classic offensive lineman weight joke. But, um, yeah. All right, are we good on birds? Any other thoughts on the birds? No, I'm good. I've said everything I need to say. All right. Chuck, flyers time. All right. So button. Panic button is not pushed. Panic button's not pushed. If uh, Couturier injures the same knee again in the season, uh, I might be pushing the panic button for like long-term career issues. But right now, uh, Couturier going to be out in like four weeks. I think they were originally calling it four to six weeks, and then it turns out he's already been injured for like two. So, Victoria so got injured playing a uh, celebrity charity uh, Happy Happy Canada game. <laughs> I think that, that is the proper name of it. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, they, there's a lot of charity games uh, throughout the summer, and he was playing one up in, uh, I think, somewhere in Quebec. And this should uh, not be allowed. Uh, I. <laughs> I Hextalls said that currently they have no policy against it, but after this injury, he might reconsider it. Um, <laughs> that sounds like know. a Hextall thing to say, too. <laughs> I don't know if it should be allowed or not. I, I mean, if more injuries happen, yes. If it's they're playing like men's league hockey out there and just staying a little warmed up and all, and you know, having a good time. And this is just a fluke injury, like the last injury uh, Couturier got. Then, then yeah, maybe cancel the, you know, stop letting them do good work for charity. Um, 
<laughs> Isn't it bad enough we got beat out here doing all kinds of crazy stuff? Petting jaguars. And... <laughs> God, how awful would that be? Playing basketball. These people are important. Joel Embiid out three to six months with jaguar attack. I just want them all wrapped in bubble wrap. Um, There's no way that jaguar wasn't terrified of Joel Embiid. There's just that's just no way. Jaguar, cheetah, or something. What was it? I think it was a jaguar. Okay, my mind's on jaguar. (laughs) Just raise the cat, Dave. Remember, raise the cat. (laughs) Not that one. All right, but uh, so he'll be back for the regular season. Oh, yeah, he should be back for the regular season. He'll be on the ice for training camp, uh, which they just released the the dates for starting uh, September 12th. Um, that's when the uh, veterans are going to get on the ice. He'll be he'll be on the ice for training camp uh, in a non-contact jersey. He'll play some preseason games, maybe one, but he'll he'll be on the ice during preseason. And it might be a bit of a, a blessing in disguise if you want potentially a um, a center up here that wouldn't get a shot otherwise. I hear some talk people talking about Morgan Frost. I don't think Ooh. Frost has... I don't think he has much of a chance of making this team. I think they're going to send him back to juniors unless he's just floors them in training camp. What do you think pre- is the, the knock on Frost right now? Uh, youth and size. He has some real talent. He just... And he's bigger than he was, uh, I think. Because I've heard that he's got he's got handle, like he can really like he's got good he's got good stick work with the puck. Uh, from what I've heard, I, I've heard the same. I've I've not seen a full game of his, I, so I've only ever seen little highlights. Um, he was really effective scoring um, in uh, the Canadian Hockey League last year. Um, continued to produce uh um throughout the season and was you know a, a real impact player in junior i think he goes back just to overcook him that's the way hexall likes it hexall likes his prospects well done so i think he's gonna go back there um but you have uh vorobiev uh vorobiev uh, sorry i mispronounced my russian names you have vecchioni um coming in and they could fight for that three C four C job. So you, you get a better training camp story, but I think no need to, to push the panic button yet for the flyers. All right. No panic on the flyers. So we're only panicking about the Phillies. Yes. And only in the sense that we're looking at this season in a vacuum. Yes. Right. Bit of a letdown on the panic episode. The first panic episode. <laughs> There's going to be more. There's, there is going to be more gene. <laughs> yeah, man. Gambling Gene, Riverboat Gene <laughs> is what they called him. <laughs> I feel like I need to have some sort of like Western theme now. We so we want to do. Um, why don't Why don't you lay out what the, what we're gonna do, Gene? So what I've done is I put together some over unders. Um, these uh, this group is uh, Philly specific, uh, so they're about the rest of the remaining season, specifically, uh, kind of specifically the month of September, and um, I'd like to get a take. The, the three of us to take a turn and say whether we believe that we're going to be over the number or under the number. I don't know if there's any gambling newbies that are out there listening. Basically, what an over-under is, uh, a lot, the basic, the easiest way to talk about it is in uh, in football, you're betting whether the total score is going to be higher or lower than the number. So I'm going to give us a, a category. I'm going to give a number that I believe 
is going to be close to what I think will be where the number will be for each category. And then Dave, Chuck, and I all take a guess of like over or under that number. And now, this isn't like going to be some Skip Bayless nonsense where you're allowed to just say whatever and get away with it. We're gonna we're gonna hold everyone accountable to this. We're gonna right. Maybe we'll post it on the website, post it on the Facebook page. We're going to revisit these, and we're going to call each other out on our poor takes. Right. Now, Dave, we, you, have, you have paper and pencil there. Can you can you keep record and then? Yeah, I have an electronic uh, paper and pencil. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Works for me. As long as somebody – I have terrible I have a terrible memory, so. Okay. All right, yeah. I will – uh, We're recording this. I'm the yeah. class historian. Okay. So uh, do we want to start? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the first category, and like I said, these are – um, these are all Philly specific. So Aaron Nola wins for the rest of the season. I have the number set at four and a half, which makes you have to commit. Hmm. Well, I'm going to say four and a half is a pretty high number. And although I have a uh, confidence that Nolan's going to continue, Nolan, Nola is going to continue uh, playing well. Uh, four and a half is just too high for my blood. I got to go lower. I got to go lower. Chuck goes under four and a half. Uh, Chuck's under. Um, how many starts has he got left? I'm sure you looked at that when you made your number. I, I kind of took that into account, yeah. You don't know. You, I would so I would you know. say that he's got between six and seven. It's just un, un, unfit information. Just like um, if you like count five days out, I'm five also, games out. Yeah, I'm also going uh, under only because I just don't think that he's going to get the run support that he's probably going to need to get five wins out of probably seven. So you feel like left. four might be the number? They might. Um, I wonder if if we get down to it, they might have him go on short rest. I wonder. That would be interesting. That could mean that he would get more opportunities than I factored in. So that's that's interesting. Right. Right. My thought is that he's going to get six or seven more starts. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. So what, where are you going with it, Gene? So what did you decide? You're under, too? I said under. I said under. I'm going to go over. Okay. Because he's at 15 wins now. That's where he was as of when I did this. You will, you'll get him to a 20-game I believe that he's going to be a 20-game winner. Yep. Which would probably lock him up for Cy Young. I feel like that that – would go even though they're saying they're not going to take that into account i feel like a 20 20, for some reason 20 games that's the magic number that's a magic number for a starting pitcher so that's where i think he's going to end up i really believe in him i'm buying if we're buying stocks i'm all of my money on nola right now okay so under under over on that one yep okay okay so next one how many wins do you believe against division opponents we have left in the season Okay. Now, interesting. This is for the Phillies. For the Phillies, these are going to all be Phillies related. Um, we play only two non-division opponents, from what I could tell from the schedule, left in the the season. We play the Cubs, uh, minus the Blue Jays game tomorrow. We play the Cubs. We play the Rockies. I think, and the Rockies series comes right between the 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 Atlanta series at the end of the year. So the rest of the games this season are against the division. The number I have set, 14 and a half. 14 and a half wins against division opponents left in this season. Wow. I believe it's 25 games. Is I was against just the, counting. I, yeah, was just I believe counting. it's 25 total. So I'm the over-under? I put the over-under at 14 and a half. Well, 
14 and a half does give me pause because it's a pretty high number. But I think I think they are going to show up against the bad teams. I think they are going to uh, play the Braves tough. So I'm going to go higher, higher than 14 and a half. Chuck goes over. I mean, or, that basically has them winning every series. Um, almost. Um, oh, this, this is like a confidence thing right now. So I, my, my recency bias is making me say under. All right, so Chuck's over. Dave's under. Yeah. I'm going to go over as well. Nice. I really feel like... 15 or 16 could be the number. And I feel like if they don't hit that number, there's no way they win the division. I feel like that has to like that has to happen. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So, I'm over, Chuck's over, Dave under. I'm under. All right. Here's one that's a l- little less optimistic. <laughs> this is this is I thought this was an interesting one though. Um team errors for the month of September. Team errors. So how many errors will the Phillies commit in the month of September? I set the number at 29.5. 29 and a half. Oh my God, I was going to say 30. <laughs> I set that number very specifically at 29 and a half. God, I don't know if there's a number so high. It's like an error over. a day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, interesting thing. I did look at the stat. We are, I believe tied for last we average 0.7 errors a game so almost an error a game uh i and i do know it's over under but i am doing card sharks format that's why i've been going higher lower yeah um 29 and a half that's don't worry chuck i've been writing over or under for you well thank <laughs> you i just wanted the listeners to know um <laughs> um uh, i'm gonna say under and I don't know why it just seems that, <laughs> that's obnoxiously high, but we make so many errors. I'm gonna say twenty nine and a half too high. I'm going lower. Dave, I'm also gonna say under only because I don't want really all of my takes to be of a pessimistic nature. I mean, at some point we got to get this together. I have no faith in the defense, so I'm gonna say over. I think that they. I think that they could. I think that thirty is. You know. It's certainly a number that they could hit. And I totally okay. agree with you. I just, I don't, odds have to be in our favor occasionally, right? Who knows? All right. Any more, Gene? Uh, one more, and then what, I, what, I'm, what I'm calling the call your shot. So okay. um, this one's kind of a fun one. Gabe Kapler's, number of times Gabe Kapler, eh, number of times Gabe Kapler is tossed from a game between now and the end of the season. Number of times he's tossed from a game for argument call, getting tossed out of a game. Okay? I've set the number at one and a half. One and a half times Gabe Kapler is tossed out of a game. Did we determine how many times he's been tossed this season? Do we know that? I didn't look that up. Okay. I don't don't ever remember him being thrown out of a game. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, I'm going to say lower. I'm going to say... I just don't. Man. <laughs> <This is dick>. <laughs> <laughs> With this lower, higher nonsense. Okay. Great, fine. Under. We all Thank like you. card sharks. I thought it'd be fun, but fine. <laughs> under. 
Because I'm a very serious sports better under. <laughs> You're up, Dave. Go. I already said under. I was I, right away. As soon uh, as you saw, I found out what it was, I was saying under because I, I thought you had to guess what your number would be, and I was going to say zero. So, yeah, uh, I'm also going to say num- uh, under. Maybe he gets thrown out of one game. It just doesn't seem like it's something that he uses in his bag of managerial tools. But uh, yeah, so we'll all say under on that one. I think. Okay. okay. All right, so here's call your shot. That's what I'm calling this. So uh, this is one of those things where you kind of have to like, you know, I'm going to put you to the kind of put ourselves to the fire and, and make us kind of commit to something. So what number will be bigger? What's going to be a bigger number? Eagles points scored in September or Phillies runs scored in September? What is going to be the bigger number? Eagles points scored or Phillies runs scored in September? And what is the bigger number? So you got to commit to a number. Oh, wow. Uh, how many games do the Eagles play in September? Four? Yeah, I think it's four. I don't think they're at bias until... Yeah. Wanted to see how many weeks there were in Well, they. September. I think there are four, and, and I, I... They pay, They play on a Thursday, but I don't think they have any oddballs. Okay. Okay, so we think... So, all right. That's like 100... So if they score 30 points a game, which would be... I think kind of what they were on pace for last season, right? Yeah, that'd be about one twenty. It'd be like one twenty, and the and Phillies the Bills are going to play twenty-eight games. So they would have to score like four or five runs a game. I think the Eagles are going to have more points. And yeah, I agree. I'm just trying to figure out a number, and I'm going to say something like a hundred and seventeen. A hundred and seventeen. 117 okay. is Dave's numbers, and he's saying that's going to be the Eagles. Yeah. Chuck? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, he's I'm mathing. going, I'm going Eagles as well, and I'm going 104. All right, I'm going to be the, the outlier here. I'm going to go Phillies, and I'm going to say the number is... 55. 55? Yep. I don't think the Eagles are going to score 55 points in four games. I think they're going to I think there there's going to be low output of the offense early in the season from the Eagles. And, and I think how we the could... hell are you not pushing the panic button? If the Eagles are not going to score more than 55 in four games. Like this is the new NFL. You're not allowed to hit anybody anymore. How the hell are they Wow. Let's just say I a, hope I'm wrong. Bold... That's a bold take right there. All right, oh. 55 Phillies for me. All right, I'm saving it. I'm putting it into the Potadelphia safe deposit box. What number did you pick, Chuck? Did you you said, he said Eagles 104. Eagles 104. Okay. Yeah. 55. Wow. All right. <laughs> if I'm if I'm right, we're in serious trouble. <laughs> this is one of those cases where I'm ho- I hope I'm wrong, but so that's that's been prop Bets with Gene. <laughs> That's my gambler voice. We need to get we need to get some riverboat music here to add to this. It sounds like a prospect. That's been bets with Gene. Where I'm, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Chuck, you ready to close this out with the uh, everyone's favorite segment of Chuck's penalty box? Yes, I am. So uh, we'll go back to our uh, preview episode format. Uh, Gene will give his uh, player and penalty 
well, player and um, what the penalty is, and I'll infraction, infraction and, and I'll, and I'll the sign the penalty in the time. Great. And then Dave will do it, and then I'll close up. All right. Gene, who's going in the penalty box? All right. Well, hopefully I haven't stolen Dave's thunder because I feel like he would also, this is a guy that Dave is also not thrilled with. But my person in the penalty box for tonight is Matt Jones. Okay. Uh, uh, Matt yep. Jones has single-handedly been maybe the worst player trying to attempt to make a football team uh, that I have ever seen in my life. Like, I have never seen a guy who had m- more on the line um, just continue to get opportunities and literally fumble them away. Um, <laughs> he does not catch the ball. He does not run the ball well. Uh, he's got all the physical attributes of what should be a great running back. I once saw him literally run through the Eagles like a knife through butter. Um, but this guy cannot, for some reason, get out of his own way this preseason so in my penalty box tonight matt jones all right we're assigning matt jones two minutes for attempt to play football two minutes for poor attempt to play football so are you t- are you team smallwood Me? oh yeah team smallwood all the way okay all right was it my turn it is your turn yes dave all right, uh, my nomination for the penalty box this week is um, Eagles. Uh, what do we call it? Eagle? Let's just call it Eagles Twitter, but it's really Eagles social media in general. Really, people getting on um, other people's asses for really questioning what is going on with the team right now and being critical of what's been happening in this preseason. Instead, just assuming that you're not a real fan. Uh, everything's going to be fine mentality. So I, I, I'm seeing a lot of social media people saying you're not a real fan if you're not just totally on board and being a believer and questioning what's going on in preseason. Okay, so Eagles uh, self-policing Twitter gets a double minor for over-enthusiasm and optimism. And my penalty be going to our favorite skipper, uh, to Gabe Kapler. <laughs> he... I thought he was going to escape this episode. <laughs> so Wait, close. He may have escaped you, but he's not escaping me. And he's not escaping the Sweat Hogs because... <laughs> <laughs> with the players weekend in the little league classic and all that fun stuff they have nicknames on the back of their jerseys and what is gabe kapler's nickname cap how it's not mr cotter i don't know yeah i mean he's like he's like one letter off from being <laughs> gabe kaplan and i did research the man is 45 he has seen welcome back cotter <laughs> He has been called Gabe Kaplan, so he has a 10-minute game wow. misconduct. He's tossing him. For being no fun and having no creativity. <laughs> now, should it have just been Mr. Cotter? Is that what his name on the back of the jersey was? Or could it just I, been, oh, oh, oh! <laughs> yeah, you could, have had, you could have had Horshack on the team. You could have had who's the of- uh, who, who would be Horshack on the team? I'd say a Dooble. Uh, it's clearly ah. a Dooble. <laughs> that, he definitely does that stuff at meetings. Oh, 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 Mr. Kapler. <laughs> I know the answer. 
I have a hard time believing that, Gene. All right, what, guys. Uh, so let's let's close on this. What would be your nickname on your players' weekend jersey? Uh, all right, I'll start because this was my actual hockey nickname. No, don't go with that. Don't go with that. <laughs> no, go with that. I'm just messing with you. Uh, well, I I th- I was gonna say the one that no one can believe I ever had, but Mad Dog. I was oh. Mad Dog. I thought I thought you knew this. No, I didn't know. This. Oh, yeah. Is it because you foam I, at the mouth, Chuck? No, because I would block shots. Mad Dog. And, Mad Dog. And I I did it like one game, and then people called me Mad Dog, and I I. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, dude, like, guys, don't call me Mad Dog. That's weird. And I loved every minute of it. And I laid out to block as many shots as I could and didn't stick. So I would I would go with my hockey nickname that I wish hung around longer, but Mad Dog. Gene? I feel like clearly the right answer to this question is little guy. Yeah. 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 Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to say, what I wanted to say was Slam Tana, but... Yeah, already taken. <laughs> Name's taken. <laughs> and I'm definitely going Angry Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So Is either that or the Italian Stallion. Wasn't that your... Uh... Name's taken. <laughs> Was an Italian Stallion your nickname when you were going to be a professional bowler? Or am <laughs> I getting that story wrong? Oh, man. I don't know. And the robe and everything. Yeah. All right, that's uh Wait, wait, Dave, before we leave, you, yeah. you haven't asked about Carter Hart. Oh my gosh. Yeah, how's he doing, Chuck? <laughs> I had him on the outline and everything. It just blew uh, right by him. I, I assume he's like watching Netflix or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> can we is there, Can we get him to listen to the pod? I'll try. Is he, he on he, Twitter? You would know. No, he wisely deleted all of that or at yeah. least is going under assumed name. Mm. So Perhaps. Well, if he ever shows back up, I want you to send him the link so we know that he's he's being watched. <laughs> he's being watched. Well, I'll when I go to training camp, and I will be at training camp. Um, I'll bring a Potadelphia sign. I uh, this is, nice. I will do this. Nice. I will have a sign that invites Carter Hart to Potadelphia. Picture of Dave like with the binoculars coming up out of the grass. It's like Carter Hart watch T-shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. We're get that trending. Hashtag Carter Hart watch. All right, hashtag Carter Hart Watch. That'll be on the Potadelphia Twitter soon. All right. That's all the time we have for today. It was a long one for the panic episode, the first panic episode. Um, As always, please remember to uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps us, helps other people find the show. Also, please uh, be sure to check out the Whip Around uh, sister podcast. Um, And I think that just about do it have a great day at work everybody we'll see you next monday bye good night